0: Father, we um, Lord, we acknowledge you today as um, as provider, as King, um, Lord, Creator of life, protector and sustainer of life, and um, Lord, in these moments where we see um, human life which carries your image, um, Lord, we see that broken, will we see that tarnished in any way, um, Lord, our, our heart breaks your heart breaks. Um, Lord, sin and, and death, these are things that, um, Lord, these are things that we brought into this world and have created a mess. Um, and whenever, whenever we come to this, I often think about, um, Lord, a, a new world, Lord, I think about uh, a new creation, um, Lord, that we're, that you have promised, Lord, that there will be, there's coming a day where death will be no more pain will be no more, sin will be no more, um, Lord, that we will in unison stand in worship, um, Lord, that there will no longer be these walls of division amongst us, um, Lord, we, we look forward to that day. We know that comes only because of the cross, the work that Jesus did, Lord, we, we are excited to take that message and proclaim it to a city um, that, Lord, there is real brokenness, Lord, but for today, um, Lord, you called us into this city, um, Lord, to seek its welfare. We do so fully equipped with, with your word and with your spirit, Lord, with your truth. Um, so Lord, I, I pray that there would be healing for this city Lord. as gun violence surges. It's, um, it's just a reminder that brokenness is still here. Um, so Lord, I, I pray that, um, Lord, I pray that there would be less gun violence in, um, over the next few months. Lord, I pray that, um, that your church, not just this church, but your church as a city of in the city of Philadelphia would stand up, um, Lord, and proclaim truth that there would be a real change that happens because your gospel is being proclaimed in each and every neighborhood Lord, that your believers and your followers would, would move towards the brokenness in this city. Lord, we pray for Andrew today. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you protect him. I pray for his family, a family that's in Fishtown. Um, Lord, I pray that you would uh, give wisdom and guidance to the doctors. Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would heal. Lord, that through the name of Jesus, that Andrew would walk out of that hospital, Lord, that there would be healing. Lord, and Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, as we go into Our weeks, Lord, as we go into the places that you call us, Lord, that we would be prayerful. Lord, that our eyes would be open, that we would see this city the way that you see it. Lord, that our hearts would break the way that yours do. Lord, I pray for healing, which only comes from you. Father, we love you. I'm grateful to um, to be able to open your word this morning. I pray that you would um, be with Brian. Um, Lord, that, that you would clear his mind and his heart, that your Holy Spirit would speak through him and that... Lord, that your Holy Spirit would also work through in our hearts, um, through your word, that there would be truth that would be embraced today that would change us, that we would leave here different um, because we are following you, um, Lord, because we've been given your spirit. Father, we, we love you I'm grateful to be called your disciples today. Um, in your name, amen. All right. Good morning. You can be
1: seated. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited and humbled as we've been singing the songs today, and I've I've been digging into Acts 8 for weeks now. The the, the music today just reflects a God that is great, that is like above our circumstances, that is working even when we don't like know what He's doing. And so um, we're going to see that in the passage today. If you want to open up to Acts 8, we have uh, copies of God's Word. So if you Don't have a copy? You are welcome to have one. We can we can hand one out. Um, You can take one home. That's yours. Uh, We we believe that um, God's word is such a source of His way to speak to us. Um, Man, summer. It's kind of hard to believe. It's almost school. Like next week or next month is uh, or it it, see it's August already. So this month school starts um, at the end of the month and. I think someone said the other day, I can't remember who it was, but they're like, I'm kind of ready for fall. I was like, whoa, slow down a little bit. Um, I have not grilled out like nearly as many times as I had hoped this summer. Like, is there anybody in here that would raise your hand and say like, I'm a griller. Like I'm all in on grill. I know I was waiting for Doug to raise his hand. As long as I can get around the grill where Doug's at, I'm happy. But um, just to illustrate kind of where we're headed today. Uh, I am, I'm kind of dangerous around the grill. I can think of two times now where um, I have used the gas-powered grills, and those have the little, like, igniter thing you have to, to, like, give a little spark, and sometimes if you turn the gas a little too much before you ignite it, And you get too close. I remember me and my buddy Jeremy in college were like at our mentor's house, like watching his house and everything and about burned down the house because we were like, you know, trying to figure out how to turn it on. And then I just like press the button and, you know, just flames, right? You know, your eyebrows are singed, your hand, the hairs on your hand. And I did that, I think this past summer. So there's these moments where I just need to step back, let, you know, let somebody else do it maybe. But... Um, We left Acts chapter 7 last week in this kind of somber moment. Um, We left where Drew talked about the persecution of Stephen. We witnessed and saw the first martyr, the first person to give their life for Jesus. And, you know, you might, if you didn't know the story, if you haven't read the rest of the book of Acts, you might say, is this the end of like the, the gospel movement? Like they've just killed this, um, this believer and, and the Christians were now going to, it says, be persecuted even more. And what we, what we learn is, is kind of like that spark to this gas that's building up. It's, you can't see it. You don't know what's going on necessarily, um, but this spark happens and whew it explodes uh, this this flame forward. And I, I, I see that as a, a kind of a, a good picture of what we're talking about in the book of Acts in chapter 8 and, and the movement of God. So we have um, these three kind of se- uh, kind of sequences we've talked about in the book of Acts. Our first sequence was power. So in Acts 1 and 2, we see the Holy Spirit was given to God's people and, and they are sent in power. He guides us. He's um, healing. He's He's um, emboldening these believers who are just ordinary men. And then we, we had this next kind of uh, sequence that we've moved through where there's this formation that we're witnessing. And that's been special as a church because as a young church, we're um, just asking God, what, is the, what are the marks of a church, you know, from, from the early church? And so we're watching that. We're going to continue that. But... Acts chapter 8, I'm excited today to talk about like movement. So what started as this, I mean, if, if we can just um, just think about what started as a young group of, of discouraged disciples who have just seen that Christ give his life and now he's resurrected and they're encouraged, but then he leaves and they're like commanded that they're going to go into all the world and like proclaim Jesus, and people are going to come to faith. Um, and now we get to fast forward to this this passage today. I'm humbled just to even have a copy of this book. Um, it's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, and I picked this up when I was reading this passage because uh, of the topic of persecution and how that really is this spark. Uh, this book um, not only talks about the persecution that happened to um, the disciples and those in, in God's word, but the, the persecution that continued, um, that continued in church history, that continues even today. So I have a little quote from, um, from the first page here. should be up here on the screen here in a sec. But I just want to read, it says, yeah, uh, talking about um, Christ and what he said to Simon, it says, uh, first that Christ has set up a church "...needeth no declaration. Secondly, what force of princes, kings, monarchs, governors, and rulers of this world, with their subjects publicly and privately, with all their strength and cunning, have bent themselves against this church? And thirdly, how the said church, all this notwithstanding, hath yet endured and hold its own, what storms and tempests it hath um, overpassed, wondrous it is to behold, for the more evident declaration whereof I have addressed the present history to the end." Um, and it says, from time to time being set forth, more knowledge and experience may re- redound thereby to the profit of the reader. Um, I read the wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just read this. First, that Christ will have a church in this world. Secondly, that the same church should mightily be impugned, not only by the world, but also by the uttermost strength and powers of all hell. And thirdly, that the same church, notwithstanding the uttermost of the devil and all his malice, should continue. And really, like, what's humbling is I read, and the rest of this chapter explains all the different ways that the disciples gave their life as martyrs. That they gave their life, they were persecuted, and that spark of persecution obviously has brought us the gospel today. And so may we read it with this idea and this understanding that God can even use the persecution and the difficulty of his followers to... Um, do amazing and great and wonderful things. And he's a promise that we're going to continue to face challenges, but he's at work. And so, the, the kind of big point today, as we look at Acts chapter 8, it just screams loudly that the gospel is an unstoppable movement, that God is a God that is um, seeking to, to let all people know who he is. And so, we're going to read Acts chapter 8. I'm going to pray. Uh, for us. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would um, continue to uh, teach us through your story, through history. God, as we look at this book and know that this is the story of uh, the early church, and there's so much for us to learn, uh, I pray, Lord, that we would uh, be asking the question, like, who is God in this passage? May you teach us more about who you are, and then may that also, Lord, lead us to understand like how you call us to live. God, I pray that we would have a, a bigger understanding of who you are today um, and uh, a desire to, to take steps in obedience. God, I thank you for, um, Lord, all that have given their life for the sake of the gospel. As examples, as uh, ones that have um, uh, truly found life in you. And Lord, it's inspiring for us to continue to, to do the same. Lord, you've changed our hearts, and I pray that you would um, just continue to guide this time today in your name. Amen. All right, if you want to read with me, we're going to go ahead and just read the the 25 verses so we get a full scope of the story. So it's Acts chapter 8, and I'll start in verse 1. And so I said it's kind of a somber moment. What you have in one is, and Saul approved of his execution. And so Paul, if you almost picture him, he's standing over Stephen's body. And it's it's saying that he approves. And and I almost wish I could like wipe our minds this morning of knowing what's coming of the story. And maybe you've never heard the story before. And so I'm excited for you to hear it. But uh, many of us know that Paul is going to go on. And even though he's standing in this moment like persecuting and approving, um, we know that he's radically going to be changed and part of this movement. So that's just... Even exciting reading that in the first sentence. It says, "...and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men all scattered, throughout, uh, buried Stephen and made lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison." They were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I may lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, and Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. All right, so we got a full uh, passage this morning. There's a lot that just went on, so we're going to break it up into three points this morning. Um, but as, as far as context, um, Christianity was not a global movement. At this point. Like Christianity was still sitting in um, Jerusalem with the Israelites. It hadn't um, yet broken any barriers outside of the Jewish people. Uh, now we saw in Acts chapter 2 that the gospel came at uh, it, it Pentecost and it spread to the different um, kind of people within the Jewish family. There was... Uh, something we probably even missed many times, there was even differing beliefs within the Jews at that time. There was, uh, you know, people called zealots, or there were those that uh, very, very strictly followed the religious law. There were some that believed that there was a Messiah. There were some that didn't. And so what God does in Acts 2 is he, he brings the gospel to, to the Jews, and they, they are united, and they start to, to truly see Jesus as Christ. But it hasn't gone further than that yet. Um, and so I've got an image up on the screen we can look at. I think this is helpful because there is so much going on in the book of Acts. And when we read a passage like we are today, you can really, if we can dig in to like each word and sentence, it, there's a beauty in just the sovereignty of God. But yeah, you can see to the left there that um, there's this um, point where it's, we're still in Jerusalem. And then we get to chapter 8, and I kind of highlighted it in red for us, the church starts to get scattered. It says it's uh, through Philip, who we're going to talk about, um, it's going to Judea and Samaria. The other cool thing about the book of Acts is that we've kind of got this narrative that the, the author, Luke, who's very detailed, like he he gives us exactly what we need. He gives these sprinkled kind of stories of individuals along the way. So we've, I thought about doing some magic tricks this morning, but we've got this Simon, the magician that shows up in our passage today. And we've always got to ask the question, when those things come up, like, what what do we need to learn from, from like this um, person's story? Like, why, why are they involved in this? Like, they're not, included for no reason. And so we'll talk about that, but all along the way, but kind of the major two two people that we're seeing um, that the narrator, Luke, uh, kind of bring us different stories of is Peter and Paul. Like Paul just came onto the scene of being in this passage, but we're going to start to see that he kind of intertwines these their stories. And eventually they're headed towards this moment where they, they like meet each other, but we don't yet get there. And so it's exciting to kind of get to see these various pictures of two people who are kind of coming alive to the idea that the gospel is for all people, that it's not just for the Jews, but it's for all people. And so they're both getting to that place. That's one of the largest tensions in the book of Acts is this gospel for all. Um, and so that's the exciting thing that we get to see today. Um, just kind of a visual there. Uh, but that's where we're going to get. The first point I have for us is the gospel is proclaimed by all believers, not just professionals. So if we go to Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and into the end of the earth. Um, if we read Acts 8.1, um, so that's like Jesus' like, itinerary. Like, What's going to happen is it's going to go to Jerusalem, then Judea, Judea and Samaria, then all the earth. And so now we see that starting to come to fruition. So Acts 8.1 says, And Saul proved his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So, aha, it's beginning. That's, this is that moment. But we also see that it says, except the apostles. And so the apostles, for some reason, they say back, I don't know why. It doesn't explain it. We're going to see that they come to Judea and Samaria in a moment. But that's significant because if we go to uh, verse four, it says that those that were scattered went about preaching the word. And so I, I just want to emphasize that this morning for us that the apostles were, were greatly used. Like, God um, definitely uh, establishes leaders in the church. But a mark that we see in the book of Acts, in that bedrock, and, and our church is going, t- going to continue to, to want to see a culture of, is that it's not just a few professionals that proclaim Jesus. It's not just from a stage that we're sent. See, what's really cool about this is at one point for the Israelites, uh, they were scattered because of judgment from God all over, and now what they they 're scattered but they 're scattered with a purpose they 're scattered because they 're sent, and they recognize that the ordinary just believers that have been um, changed by the truth of Jesus, they recognize that my circumstances like they 're tough i 'm being persecuted like i 'm having to be forced out of where i 'm comfortable but the identity that I have in Christ, that doesn't change. And so wherever I am, I preach Christ. Wherever I'm scattered, where am forced to go, even though it doesn't make sense, or it's difficult, or it's not the easy way, I'm sent. And that's our prayer as believers, is that as a church and as individuals, like, we, we all recognize that Christ is is worth us proclaiming and demonstrating in all of our life, that we don't have to wait. I grew up in a church that very much, um, it felt like you had to participate in an event to be able to be part of witnessing uh, Jesus to people. It it very much felt like you had to attend something that was organized by leaders to go out and and talk about your faith. I grew up in a church that very much yeah, emphasize the leaders um, and, and training. And that's all, that's all great. But it's exciting when we look at the book of Acts and, and God just really says the spirit comes into all that have faith in him. And, and we're all called to, at the dinner table, uh, talk about Christ and represent him. We're all called uh, in our jobs to, to work with character that is of God and with a testimony that reflects who he is. Uh, and so that's exciting to me when I finally, when I finally clicked, uh, and I, I pray that over our church today. And, and the other thought that I have would be, um, it, it should never depend on our circumstances. I don't know where we're all at today. I don't think uh, that many in here would say we're being heavily persecuted for our faith, or we're being heavily um, attacked by, by those that don't believe the same way we do. But just generally what we see is this faithfulness to their identity in Christ despite their circumstances. And I think we can all relate to that. There's a lot that we would love to have happen in our life or there's comfort zones that if we could stay in them forever, um, we would. But I really believe that God shook things up and he shakes things up in our life and puts us into places where we, we couldn't quite be used as we, we could if we were back in our comfort zone. So I think that's a, just a general observation that we should make is like he shakes things up and sometimes our response is God, why are you doing this to me? And we, we're bitter and we're frustrated and we lose and miss the opportunity that there's a sovereign God that puts us in places that we just couldn't on our own. That we wouldn't plan. And, and they see that and, and God uses it. Um, the glory of the early church was you. It's, it's, it's all of us. It's those that, um, that are ordinary, just um, coming to faith. And, and at some point, I think it shifted in culture that uh, the dynamic people of God, the, the talented leaders, um, the organizations, the, the programs became kind of a big deal. And so our heart is that we um, really come to this simple faith and, and living out every day. Derek Thomas says, the chief agent's in the expansion of Christianity, appear not to have been those who made it a profession, made it a profession, but men and women who carried on their livelihood in some purely secular manner and spoke their faith to those they met in his natural fashion. Um, yeah. So a few questions I have for us just to think about would be like, uh, you might not like where he is sending you, but can you trust his plan? Like, I don't. Again, I don't know where you're at today, but. Man, can we trust his plan that in the current position that you're in, maybe you are thriving and enjoying everything that God has for you. Or maybe you're struggling and it doesn't make sense. I can tell you that if you're in either of those situations, he's got a plan. And he wants us to trust him with that. And he wants us to proclaim Christ despite um, which one we're in. And then I would say, um, do you see yourself as a sent one of Jesus? Or do you see yourself as an observer? We've got to ask that, like, seriously. Like, not only in our minds, but how are we, like, acting it out? Like, does that actually play out in our life? And then, yeah, as I mentioned, is it possible that God is shaking things up for you in order to place you in a position He can use you? Just some thoughts. Uh, Another quote here by John Piper, I thought was really helpful. It says, persecution, and I would add just any any way in which the unexpected is happening. and God is, we just remember God is sovereign. It it can have harmful effects on the church. Uh, But prosperity, it seems, is even more devastating to the mission to which God calls us. My point here is not that we should seek persecution that would be presumptive. It's like jumping off the temple. The point is that we should be very wary of prosperity, and excessive ease, and comfort, and affluence. And we should not be disheartened, but filled with hope if we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I thought that was helpful. We we don't need to assume that that God is is not present with us in our uh, persecution or our struggle. But we've got to remember that sometimes when we're too comfortable, uh, we just lose sight of the the right thing. Point number two. I'm excited. We got a lot of maps today. Uh, so my my second point is the gospel is for all people, not just a few. This verses five through seven. Now, if you were again one of these early um, Jewish believers and you read this sermon point from uh, from the notes today, this would this would be alarming. This would be just ah, what what's going on? What does that mean? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit um, like they were, they were not friends with the Samaritans. Like this was hostile. Uh, we, we see a lot of interaction in scripture between, uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. It was this place on the map that, uh, they would avoid if they, if they could go a different route. Like they did not want to go through Samaria and Samaritans want nothing to do with the Jews. Um, The Jews, I think, loved that the Christian faith was something that um, was theirs, and I feel like there is this time where they wanted to hold tightly to it, and so God is is saying, no, that's not my plan. Like years ago, when I started to uh, move forward in my plan of redemption, like I told Abraham, like there, as the number of the stars in the sky, like there's going to be, I'm going to bless the nations. And so there's this promise that he's, he's going to continue to hold true to that. The ESV commentary talking about the Samaritans' relationship with the Jews says, Samaritans were a racially mixed group of partly Jewish and partly Gentile ancestry. Disdained by both Jews and non-Jews, they believed in Israel's God and in many respects maintained their Jewish heritage, but were not considered Jews by those in Judea. And then we got the map up here, uh, kind of give an idea of where uh, all of this is happening. And so the J- Jerusalem there in the somewhat of the center is, is where the gospel and, and the truth of Christ has has started to, to spread. But now for the first time, we see the gospel breaking out of that to uh, a new place, to what we call the Gentiles, to those that weren't of uh, Jewish heritage. And now um, into Samaria in Again, that's just, that's, I almost picture like a fight, like Conor McGregor, or um, I don't really know many of the fighters out there, but I, all I know is the only, like I, don't even, I don't even watch the fights, but on ESPN, I will see the stare downs, and, and they'll like, kind of weigh themselves, and then they'll just see them awkwardly, you know, just kind of like like who's gonna blink first, who's gonna smile, but they, you can just feel the tension of, of these guys like face-to-face, just about to fight in a couple of days, weighing in, they do not like each other, they're probably throwing insults at each other. That's the feeling you have with the relationship between these two groups of people. Uh, think about the previous interactions that we see in uh, the gospels. In Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37, there's a story probably all familiar with of the Good Samaritan. I think the, the Jews in their head are probably thinking like, I didn't know there was any Good Samaritan. Um, but there's this story where uh, the Good Samaritan is the one who blesses uh, the person who is in need and shows the love uh, that Christ would have. And, and what I think we see is Jesus is intentional, like he knows what's coming. And he's, he's like uh, continuing to reach out to this group because at the heart of God is that he loves all people. We see in John 4, 1 through 45, this interaction of Jesus and the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. And we see that Jesus says in John 4, 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. That's the heart of Jesus, like going to those that he can uh, restore no matter what you know, what group you're from. Uh, that was not the case for, for everyone else. The disciples probably questioned him in his direction and his route. Um, John four thirty nine says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So this woman at the well comes in interaction with Christ. He tells her that if she drinks of the, of the water that he gives, that she would have eternal life. And she, she is confronted of her sin and she comes to faith in who Jesus is and the Messiah, she runs and tells uh, all of her town about who he is. And so there's the continuing of, of Jesus to reach out. And then I, lo- I love Luke 9, 51 through 55. Uh, Jesus sends the disciples ahead or sends some messengers to Samaria. And it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up. So this is when Jesus is starting to look towards the cross. And and when he's going to give his life. It says, He set his face to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, (laughs) here's what they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. So we've got this, you know, Jesus, he's continuing to reach out and love towards the Samaritans. You'd think they'd be watching uh, what he's doing and get, get the bigger picture, but they don't. And, and John's just like, can we get fired? to come down? You know, you're like, what? What are you even talking about? Like fire, that's, that's a little harsh. But I think that gives us a picture like, man, this was a divided group. Uh, and so God has always been about loving all people. We need to know that. We we need to see that um, he breaks the barriers of of culture of of race of division, and and the gospel that he has that uh, the truth the gift of of life in him was never meant just for uh, people that that could uh, check these boxes. It was meant for. Uh, it wasn't never meant for just a. Uh, one group, one, one country, one one nation. It was meant for all people. Uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, um, it, it speaks about this, how he breaks uh, down the walls of hostility. And I think as, I'm, I'm gonna read this passage, I think it's helpful for us to, to remember that. Like we might not have uh, anyone that comes to mind that we're hostile towards. Um, we might not have, uh, a direct situation that we're thinking of but man can we just remember that the gospel had to come through Samaria and had to come through um, the, the healing that, that God does in this moment to get to us that we're the ones that uh, benefit from God moving the gospel forward uh, and also may he help us to, to realize that if there is division and hostility that he's not about that that he desires for us to love um, those that are different from us. And so it says in 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were, who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. They were divided, but now they're united. What I want to say is uh, the ground is level at the cross. There's no hierarchy when it comes to following Jesus, like we are all, as we just read, we're all in need of a Savior in Christ. We, um, we all have this sin and and this brokenness and this um, desire to be disobedient. And so um, we, we see and have faith in Christ and the message that he has for us in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. So may that help us remember if there is any hostility or if, if there is any or is there? If there is any holding back the truth of Jesus to any particular person or people in our hearts, that's not of God, and we need to um, continue to have a heart for all people. I, I'm excited that the God's hearts for all nations. So we got a map up here now of the world, like it's breaking to Judea and Samaria. I hope it's exciting for us to to see that like God's gospel is is has has spread throughout the world. It's also uh, should burden us that there's unreached people groups. The red up there is um, recent stats of, of places that there's still not uh, followers of Jesus and, and there's a message to be proclaimed. But it's exciting to me that God's about the nations, that he's about all people. And as a church, that's something we should take from this passage and, and say like, that is why we value like world missions. That is why we value engaging in places like Nicaragua and taking trips. Like that isn't something we just do because it's a fun way to get out of our, our country or go see something new. Like this is the heart of God, that the gospel moves to all places and exciting to see that he is doing that. This should be a testimony to us that Acts 1.8 is happening and a, a conviction for us to continue to be part of that. I don't know where he's going to send everyone in this room. Like, I know he's sent us here to Fishtown, but as a church, we're excited to continue to send people out because that's a heartbeat that we see of God, that all people should know him, whether it be to another neighborhood in Fishtown, whether it be to another city in the United States, or whether it be across the oceans to a a village or a a city somewhere else that's just foreign, We can confidently say the gospel is for all people and we want to be part of that. Um, And so uh, another piece here that I do want to highlight is the Holy Spirit uh, in this passage. If you read in, in verse, let's see. Well, one, it's just, it's funny to think about John now hearing like, oh, the Samaritans are coming to faith like Philip's preaching the gospel and they're coming to faith. And I can just picture John being like, this is the people I was gonna have fire come down. (laughs) And so he's like probably urgently just excited to see this, you know, and changed by all that he's seen in the resurrected Christ. And so he's coming um, to lay hands on this group of believers so that the spirit would come. And that might be an interesting um, kind of description here. And I, I wanna say, as we read the book of Acts, there are moments where, um, we should look at through the lens of all of Scripture. And so while the Holy Spirit um, was delayed, so they came to faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit was delayed. It said it didn't come immediately. Like this, there's a lot of different views on this passage, on what that means, because uh, what we believe at Bedrock is that when you come to faith in Jesus, when you place your faith in him, like you're filled with the Holy Spirit at, at that moment and that he empowers you with Um, with his gifts and with uh, direction and uh, with his presence. And so it's not something that I would say is delayed. But what I would say is in scripture, we see these moments that are descriptive, that describe and and we're we're reading and it's something we we can learn from. And there's these moments that they're prescriptive where we're supposed to to follow and and to um, kind of mimic. And so I, I would say in this moment, what I'm seeing is this is a, powerful moment where the gospel now is leaving, uh, is, is coming to more places beyond the Jews, and it's coming to the Samaritans, and it is a hostile situation, and God is using this moment of the apostles affirming and laying on hands for them to know that this is a gospel for all people. I think that's what this this delay of the Spirit is for, is so that it can be uh, undoubted, like not a doubt in their minds that God was continuing to unite all people in Jesus. And so that's the delay there. Um, others would say um, that there's a second coming of the Holy Spirit. I just don't see that as I look through the rest of the, of the book of Acts and through the rest of the scripture. Uh, what I see consistently is that the Spirit comes at that moment of belief of salvation, that He empowers us. And so I just wanted to highlight that as well. I do think it's just another aspect of of God confirming that He is bringing the gospel to all people and that the church wasn't going to divide or that there's going to be the the Christians of the Samaritans and and the, the Jews, but that He was uniting them together. It's a powerful moment says FF uh, Bruce says Luke presents the Samaritan mission as the first important advance in the Christian mission. The record of a Samaritan Pentecost implies that a new nucleus of expanding community has been established so that the gospel could now radiate outward toward, uh, from this new center of the spirit's mission. So just a few questions on this point, I would say um, is there anyone God is calling you to love with the truth of the gospel? Where previously there's been sin and hate um, and indifference, I ask that you would consider and ask the Lord to lead you and how you can, uh, through the gospel, be united, bring peace. Uh, we need to remember that, again, we're Gentiles, that we're the ones that um, have been blessed through, through his movement. And so it, it's helpful for us to go back and read passages like Ephesians 2. Um, another question would be, do you have a desire to be part of God's global work? He isn't done yet. I love uh, one of the church planting organizations is called Acts 28, and, and what they're or Acts 29, sorry, Acts 29. And so what they're saying essentially is like there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, but he's not done moving. He's not done sending people out. And I think that's something exciting for us to read is that as we look at a map and as we look at this passage, like we can, we get to be part of. Of this work that he's doing. And so may we just consider, are we, are we part of that? Are we praying for uh, the gospel to continue to go all uh, people? And then lastly, I know I'm pressed on time here. Point number three is the gospel is about belief in the heart, not just belief in miracles or blessings. I had a little bit of trouble wording this point, but I'm specifically honing in on this uh, story of Simon. What I think is important is as we see the gospel, like, we're, we're all sent. The gospel's for all people. What I think as we go and do that, what we really, is, really see with the story of Simon, who's this magician who is um, definitely one that desires power, actually says he calls himself great. So he's given himself, you know, some creds uh, to all people. But it does say that he had influence and in that the Samaritans, like, followed his, uh, his like, influence, and, and so he sees Philip and displaying these those moments of power through the Spirit where he's healing, and he's um, performing miracles, and he wants that power, and, and it says that he believed, but then we go on and see that uh, Peter rebukes him at the end of the passage, and he says, essentially, like, you can take, like, uh, Simon asked Philip if he could pay for that power, that if he could pay for the power to, uh, of the Spirit. And, and Peter rebukes him. And what I, what I want to say is, as we continue with the gospel, there's uh, we've got to continue to preach the full truth of the gospel, which is we, you, you repent, and, and it's about Christ. Because if we leave anything out, it can start to become about wrong motives. Uh, it's important that, that we uh, let people know fully and that we continue to uh, preach a gospel of repentance, of of faith in Jesus, because what we've seen come into the church and in uh, our culture is there's various ways in which people are motivated to be part of God's work. You know, there's this idea for for Simon that hey, I can follow uh, this uh, this faith. I, I believe, I see the miracles, but I don't see that he actually believed in Christ. I don't see that he actually had a Part of repentance, as we—I'll read the verse here at the end of the passage, and so it almost seems like he is more about the signs and what he could get out of the faith rather than Jesus, rather than a relationship with God, and and that's the issue. Um, people people have varying um, beliefs on whether Simon truly believed in Jesus or if it was a um, a, a false belief. But from what I see here, again, if we go to um, verse 20, it says, But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, "Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me." His his response after being strongly rebuked by Peter for saying, "I want to buy the Holy Spirit," which the Holy Spirit isn't for sale; like it's a gift through Christ and through what He's done. The rebuke; his response is that something bad doesn't happen to him. So rather than this response of brokenness over his sin, over um, misunderstanding. There's this just, okay, just please pray that th- that doesn't happen to me. And so I just, I sense when I read this that uh, he hasn't truly believed in Jesus. And so I think it's important that we just continue to preach the faith, that there's gonna be people that, as, as Jesus said, they profess his name, but they don't believe in their hearts and, and fully follow him. And so we need to be sensitive to that. There's all kinds of ways this plays out. The prosperity gospel would be one where there's these um, people who want to associate with Christianity because of the blessings that they can receive. Maybe the success or the money or uh, you know, even some, some greater things like community. Some people may want to be part of a church so that they can have the community or the, uh, the joy of being part of uh, you know, a group of people. But we've got to continue to point people towards Christ. And so that's what I see with Simon. There's a lot here in the passage. But I'll end with uh, verse 25. It says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And so we see uh, that the gospel is moving forward. Uh, and it's exciting to read just the, the few ways that we see in this passage, how we can have a heart for that. So one, I would say, let's be praying over, um, man, am I seeing myself as sent? That it doesn't have to be something I wait on somebody else to um, tell me when to do it. Like like I'm changed by Christ. And so I'm sent into all places with the truth of the gospel. Number two, can we just remember and appreciate and be part of the work that that the gospel is for all people? And then three, uh, maybe just remember that it's about the heart that the gospel truly addresses the heart and and we need to consider our motivations in in following Christ and we need to be continuing to proclaim the full truth so that people can understand that it's not about just what we receive but it's truly about a relationship with him. Um, So may I pray for us and uh, the band's gonna come up. Dear Father, we thank you for the movement that you continue to propel forward of of grace of forgiveness of um, ultimately just this is hard to, to know us through um, through Christ uh, for us to be able to be forgiven of our, our sin and our brokenness and to be restored into relationship with you um, and that um, Lord you care about all people uh, and, and that you um, desire for us to be part of that and to uh, identify as, as your sent people uh, even in the midst of situations and circumstances that we might not understand immediately. And God, as, as you do that, I pray, Lord, for uh, just our hearts as we consider, Lord, what our motivations are in in following you, Lord. As the example of Simon, Lord, it uh, seems like he just missed it. And um, desired his own power and, and for it to be about him and about his name. And God, may we be humbled to know that, Lord, uh, we're, uh, we're to just be all about you and that that's the best for us. And you're you're worthy of it far more than we are. And so we just thank you for the way that you lead us through your book. May you uh, guide each of us in, in what you're teaching us. And uh, we, we trust you to continue to um, teach this church as a, as a family. May we lean into the truths that um, we're learning today throughout the week and together. Uh, we love you. your name.